This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome, everybody, on this weird Wednesday. Jimmy is off today. Well, he's never off. He's working probably somewhere else. So I'm filling in for the great Fela instead. This is Joe Concha. I am a Fox News contributor, also a columnist at The Messenger, themessenger.com. I'm not going to talk about it too long because you're not listening here to hear about a new publication. But I'm telling you, it's going to become one of your favorite news sites out there. It's just an excellent, excellent place to get news. we got opinions from across the spectrum because, hey, maybe that'll bring in a wider audience when you just don't cater to one side. Go figure. I don't know. I'm just saying. And that's themessenger.com. Also, I am the author of the book, Come On, Man, The Truth About Joe Biden's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Presidency. I have to look at a poster of it in my studio here just because the title is so long. I still don't quite remember the order when it comes to terrible, horrible, no good, and very bad. But I think we got it down pretty much now. So that is wherever books are sold. A Wall Street Journal bestseller. Go figure. Never wrote a book before. I don't think I've ever written anything longer than, I don't know, I guess I had a thesis once, but on a regular basis, 1,000 words. And to do 65,000, thought it would be daunting, but all you do is just treat it like 65 different columns and you're on your way. Boom. Anyway, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about this indictment or indictments. With Donald Trump, we're up to 71 now when you have the ridiculous one in New York, as far as that case is concerned. Hush (laughs) money payments to a porn star somehow generates 34 indictments. And that's obviously the weaponization of that particular DA's office in Alvin Bragg. And now we have 37 more, as you may have heard, against Donald Trump happening on a federal level in Florida, courtesy of special counsel Jack Smith. And... I look at this in a way where a lot of things can be true, all right? I'm not going to come on here and tell you that what Donald Trump did wasn't wrong. It was, absolutely. When, when the documents were discovered, he should have just given them back. I mean, that's, that's what I would do. I don't need to hold on to these things, right? Or you negotiate something in good faith where over a month or two, if that's what it takes, then you give it back. But, but cooperate all the way, and you don't have to have the self-inflicted wound. Now, for everybody screaming at the radios out there saying, but wait a minute, what about Hillary Clinton? And what about Joe Biden? What about Mike Pence and everybody else who, let's put it this way, I can't leave a blockbuster video when I used to go to Blockbuster Video, I think there's only one left now in Oregon somewhere, but when I used to rent movies, you try to walk out of that place with a movie you forget to you know, pay for, you had it in your hand, you didn't realize it. I mean, alarms go off everywhere. How are all these classified documents just able to just walk out of the White House and, 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 and these skiffs the way they are in, in the case of Joe Biden when he was a senator? So here's the thing. Yes, what Trump did was wrong, but it's not the type of thing where I hear that if he, if even one count one of these indictments, as far as the counts within it, are, are he's found guilty on. He goes to prison for, what, 10 to 20 years? Eh, it seems a little steep. I mean, very steep. Slap on the wrist. I get it. A reprimand, sure. Whatever, whatever you have to do. 
or treat the case like, you know, the president says you should, which was the way James Comey treated Hillary Clinton, when what she did was infinitely worse than anything Trump did. Trump had the documents at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago is guarded by the Secret Service. People aren't walking in and out of there. It's a secure place, right? Hillary Clinton had classified, highly classified information on a server in a bathroom that was almost undoubtedly hacked by foreign adversaries. And she broke, literally used a hammer to smash Blackberries. She and her legal team bleach-bitted hard drives. I mean, all this stuff. I mean, if Donald Trump did this, I can only imagine what MSNBC and CNN would look like. And she got off. And then the most utterly appalling, utterly insulting part is she's out there doing interviews yesterday talking about how horrible Trump is. Calls, if you're a supporter of Donald Trump, you're part of a cult. There's 74 million people in this country that are part of a cult. Maybe, I don't know, you're like my dad who voted for Trump because, boy, he liked his position on regulations, right? Because my father, you know, former accountant, former CFO of a printing company somewhere in the swamps of Jersey, right? And he understands how government can really choke business if it really wants to. So like the fact that he relieved so many regulations, loved his position on trade, which no one ever talks about as far as improving on NAFTA. Obviously, immigration, that's something that appeals to a lot of people, too, because, hey, for a country, we probably should have borders, right, where you can't just walk into the country illegally, that you have to go through a process. That doesn't make you racist in any way, shape, or form. That just says there are rules. My relatives came way Spain, Cuba, to New Jersey, and they made tombstones. Really, that that was a family business, which is kind of dark on some level. But, hey, (laughs) business is always good because people just keep dying. It's a very consistent business. Point is... That they came here legally. So, yeah, if you want to come here legally, sure, fine, great. But 6.5 million people have come to this country illegally since Joe Biden took office. You know, there's 32 states that don't even have that population. And, and they just walked right in, including 200, at least, the ones we know of, people that are on the FBI terror watch list. That is a national security crisis, right? So all of these things, as far as what Trump did while he was in office, when you had... Forget, you know, we have Democrats celebrating when inflation's at 5%. We had inflation at 1.3%. We had growth that we were told was never coming back. Barack Obama, what are you going to do? Wave a magic wand and make those manufacturing jobs come back? Well, they came back. So in terms of economy, in terms of peace, prosperity, all those really, those pillars for every successful president to have, Donald Trump had. And then COVID hit and then the whole thing went sideways, where any president would have suffered in that situation because the country is miserable at that point where we were locked down. Uh, we didn't know what was going on. And it was an unprecedented event where businesses that were successful for decades, handed down family generation to generation, suddenly had to close, not by any fault of their own. So yeah, when the country's in a mood like that, and he still almost won. I mean, that's the, that's the amazing thing. You know, Georgia, 10,000 votes, Arizona, 12,000 votes, Wisconsin, less than the percentage point was leading in Michigan and Pennsylvania before the mail-in ballots came in. I mean, it, it, and that's the thing. And that's how this next election is going to be, regardless of how all these indictments go. Because that's, that's what presidential elections come down to at this point. It comes down to like five, six states. I, I see national polls. I go, throw them out. I want to know how Joe Biden is viewed in places like Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona. Because in those states, he's in the low 30s to mid 30s. At best, among independents, he's in the 20s. You can't win a presidential election with those types of numbers, except I wrote a story last week for the Messenger column, and it was chilling to read, 
where you have a New York Times focus group. And they took 12 Biden voters from 2020, right? Got them all in a room and asked them a bunch of questions as far as how they viewed Joe Biden, okay? And the results, you, you, you would not believe this. They ask at one point, do you think Joe Biden is a competent leader? And all 12 said no. Question, do you think he's up to the task for being president in 2028? And if he won re-election, that's how long he would be there. So think about how far away 2028 sounds. But yeah, 86-year-old Joe Biden would be in the Oval Office. No one said yes to that question either. So no one thinks he's up to the task for another, another term. And no one thinks he's a strong leader. These are Biden voters, all 12 of them. Next question. Will you vote for him again in 2024? All of them said yes. I mean, that's the thing. And the reasons they gave was primarily the alternative is worse. And they see Trump as the worst alternative. So they will take the way this country is performing right now in terms of wages not keeping up with inflation. We talked about the crisis at the border, national security crisis. I haven't even talked about education, where we have ACT test scores, 30-year low. Crime is driving people out of city and businesses, all run by Democrats, from New York to Chicago to San Francisco, Minneapolis. And they're all going to Florida, Texas, and Tennessee. And they're all run by, ding, 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 Republican governors, right? So you would think just the, the way the conditions are in this country right now and all the decisions Democrats are making in terms of the way they run things, whether it's the president, whether it's a Gavin Newsom, whether it's the governor of, of Illinois, the Jackie Gleason looking guy, right? Whether it's Kathy Hochul in New York, you would think Americans would look at this and say, I'd rather have a country that resembles Florida, or Texas or Tennessee before I'd ever wanted to resemble California and all the tent cities and the homelessness and obviously all the regulations and the high taxes, 13.3% income tax in California. You know what it is in Florida? To quote Dean Wormer, 0.0. So yeah, I would think that DeSantis would be doing better as a result of that. But since Trump is blotting out the sun again, as he has throughout his entire political career, it is impossible for these other candidates, even when a president's now been indicted, again, 71 counts total. And his numbers just keep going up. Why? Because he's the only focus. And at this point now, the election's not going to come down to all the issues that I just talked about, the, the issues that impact people on a daily basis. This will be the, the swamp election, the DOJ election, the intelligence community election. And Donald Trump will be seen as the only person who could dismantle the current state of those places and restore America from being the banana republic that it looks like it's becoming. Because, again, think of how this looks like to the outside. Let's say we saw another country, right? Russia. Okay, well, we'll, we'll name Russia, for example. And Vladimir Putin's top political opponent uh, goes to jail, right? Oh, wait, that actually just did happen. <laughs> they sentenced the guy to nine years in jail. And you're like, wait, that only happens like in communist countries. And now we have this pursuit of the GOP's top contender by a country mile for the nomination, and then the administration who says, we don't talk to the Department of Justice. Uh-huh, yeah, sure you don't. Biden says that. You just, you, it's just like Eric Holder never talked to Barack Obama until Eric Holder said, yeah, actually, that's my wingman. <laughs> that's right, that's how it works. Attorney generals don't work independently. You're the wingman of the president, at least in Democratic administrations. So, yeah, here you have the Department of Justice under Joe Biden, they appoint a special counsel to kind of try to distance themselves a little bit from the whole situation, but you know who's pulling the strings. And now we have 
a very real possibility that you could have a former president go to jail and die in jail. Donald Trump's birthday is today. He is 77 years old. He goes to jail when he's 78, 79. Not a very good chance you're walking out at 89 or 99, for that matter. And, and that's where we're at. So anyway, let's hear from the former president as far as his reaction to what happened yesterday in Miami. Calls this evil and an abuse of power in a history of a country like we've never seen before. Cut one, go. Today we witnessed the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. Very sad thing to watch. A corrupt sitting president had his top political opponent arrested on fake and fabricated charges of which he and numerous other presidents would be guilty. Right in the middle of a presidential election in which he is losing very badly. This is called election interference and yet another attempt to rig and steal a presidential election. Now, I'm curious as far as how Trump's rivals for the GOP nomination, including his own former vice president, Mike Pence, I met a couple of weeks ago, shorter than I expected. You know, I, I got about a half inch inch on him. I, I didn't see that coming. He looks taller on TV. Everybody, I guess, looks taller on TV. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, but he's a very nice man. Anyway, uh, here's Mike Pence telling CNBC, you know, a lot of Republican candidates for president are defending Trump completely and totally. Uh, we're starting to see some cracks now from Nikki Haley and especially the former Vice President Pence. Cut eight, go. I had the chance to review the indictment over the weekend, uh, and this indictment contains serious charges, and I cannot defend what is alleged. Uh, I, I, I will tell you, as, as a, not only as a former vice president, but also m- my son's a Marine. My son-in-law is a Navy lieutenant. I mean, the, the very prospect that what is alleged here took place, creating an opportunity where highly sensitive classified material could have fallen into the wrong hands, even inadvertently, that, that jeopardizes our national security. It puts at risk the men and women of our armed forces. And as I said... I can't defend what is alleged, but uh, the former president has a right uh, to his day in court. That's Pence. And we talked about cracks. We got three more to choose from here. Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Tim Scott. Cut nine. Go. If this indictment is true, President Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security. These are not his personal documents. This isn't like his doodle notes on his pad. Or like a, a nice, you know, a newspaper article about himself. These are intelligence documents created by the government of the United States. And the government's supposed to have that stuff, not laying around. This case is a serious case with serious allegations. No one is above the law. The handling of classified materials of the United States is a serious matter. Notably missing from that montage is Trump's biggest threat as far as the GOP nomination is concerned. That is Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, He has defended Trump to this point, uh, but hasn't criticized him directly on it. That may change in the coming days, weeks, and months. We will see. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. This is Fox Across America. Back with more in just a moment. The show that leaves you without hope or change. I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I decree, since I'm running the show on Fox Across America today for Jimmy Fallon, we just go all Beastie Boys for the entire show. Is that too much to ask? I don't think it is. You know you're old when I think their first hit came out almost 40 years ago. Yeah, I'm old. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. I spoke about this before, but it bears uh, repeating. It's one thing to have a media like it kind of used to be where they would you knew they were biased but at least they could fake it pretty well they at least put up some sort of facade like they were trying to be objective in any way shape or form then we have whatever version we have going on right now particularly at cnn and we all know what happened just a week or two ago chris licked the new president who was there for about five minutes okay 13 months but still that that's nothing in this industry as far as running an international news organization he tries to bring that network back to the center and Basically, it's a mutiny from inside. Like, what do you mean we're going to have more Republicans on? What do you mean we're going to try to be more objective and not give our opinions and everything and not make ourselves a story so we can get a really flashy profile mediaite? And the rebellion was real, and it was there from day one. You had Jeff Zucker, the former president, pulling the strings from outside the network. Brian Stelter, who was fired, working to get Lick fired. After that, uh, obviously working with the current media uh, reporter there and Oliver Darcy, and then you have even Anderson Cooper going on the air after the Trump town hall saying, I know you're angry, and I wouldn't blame you if you never watched this network again. Who says this, right? I would have fired that guy in the commercial. I don't care what he's getting paid. You don't go on the air and say something like that because you're afraid viewers were offended that you put the leader for the GOP nomination on your air for a town hall, which you did dozens of times, by the way, in 2015, 2016, and you bear hugged the guy practically because he was good for ratings and he was good for clicks, and you never thought he was going to win anyway, so you were along for the ride, and don't act now that you're suddenly offended that Donald Trump was on your air when, boy, that happened an awful lot when he first ran for president. Anyway, here's Jake Tapper yesterday, who was part of that whole rebellion internally to get rid of Chris Licht basically telling his control room, how dare you put Donald Trump on the air and make him look good (laughs) because people were cheering him uh, over at a Cuban restaurant in Miami. Cut 11, go. As we watch uh, Donald Trump attempt to turn his arrest and indictment into some sort of campaign commercial, uh, we need to remember that the reason we are watching this is because Donald Trump is accused of breaking some very serious national security laws Uh, and then obstructing and refusing to cooperate with the FBI. The folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He's trying to turn this in. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, (laughs) into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. Uh, If you want to know who the new CNN president is, it's probably Jake Tapper. Appears to be running the show. Get him off the air. People are being nice to Donald Trump. Uh, Back with more in a moment. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Joe Concha in for Mr. Fallon. It looks like we're uh, on an 80s kick today, uh, producers in the control room. And I like it because Carol and I, even though we were born in the 90s, Carol Roth, we do know our 80s music quite well. Is that correct? 
I was born in the 90s. Now I'm liking this inflationary map. I guess it goes <laughs> a, along with the inflation in the economy. Just kind of get a gloss over the you know 20 years before it. I'll take it. But Can I'll I just pretend you? that I listen to my parents with the safety dance there. Yes, yes. I forget who sings that, but um, I should probably I, it was like a one-hit wonder type of thing. But anyway. Uh, let me tell you this uh, quick story. And we're talking to Carol Roth, by the way. She is a recovering investment banker, author of the new book, You Will Own Nothing. Oh, you should have had it and like it if we're going 80s on this. Remember that in uh, Caddyshack? I want a hamburger. I want a cheeseburger. You'll get nothing and like it. You'll get nothing and like it, right from the World Economic Forum and uh, all the political leaders around the world. But unfortunately, as we know throughout history, you will not like it, which is why you need the book. Of course, and that comes out next month. But it's available for pre-order now. Get it wherever you buy books. And, of course, follow Carol Roth on Twitter. She is a twitchy favorite for a reason, and that is at Carol J.S. Roth. What does the J.S. stand for? So that's actually when I got married. I had a 12-letter last name as my maiden name. Oh. And so I used to tell all my friends in high school that I was going to marry somebody with a four-letter last name. And then I found a Roth, and I was like, okay, you're in. So the <laughs> S is for my uh, maiden last name, and the J is for my previous middle name. And I just pushed them together and made, made up a new middle name. What was the 12-letter last name? Schneiderman. Doesn't have quite the same financial ring as Roth. Huh? Yeah, it works better on TV too. The Chiron people, you know, <laughs> exactly. Only, only bad cut, things can happen. Cut off on the, when I played softball, we get cut off on the back of the shirt. <laughs> right, that's all the way around. <laughs> we can only fit ten letters on there. Sorry. <laughs> they uh, there was two young bloods on the Rams way back when, uh, and they actually had to put. And I'll send you a picture of this uh, when we're in commercial break. Four letters small jack above young blood, which went from one shoulder pad to the other, and it was just the coolest looking <laughs> uniform ever. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I want to play a cut for you here, and I'm not going to tell you what it's what it is or what it's about. You'll recognize the voice very easily, and then I want your organic reaction when we come come out of it. So, uh, cut ten, boys, go. On Thursday, the Department of Justice indicted former President You're Donald kidding. Trump. I know. <laughs> oh, did you have any reaction to the news, or are you keeping your powder dry in case you get jury duty in New York? <laughs> You know, John, um, I have a lot of reactions uh, to it, uh, and I think uh, the best reaction publicly is, you know, let's see it unfold and see okay. what happens, right? Okay. She goes on to say that this is about Trump, not about anyone else, no matter how much they try to confuse people and how much they try to raise uh, other issues. It's going to be fascinating, I guess, in a bizarre and sad way to watch them spin themselves up here. So, Carol, um, is there any reason why Hillary Clinton's basically twerking here and doing an end zone dance when what she did was egregiously and blatantly worse? Yeah, I mean, it's basically the arrogance that goes along with being untouchable. She's on the correct team. She has all of her protection in place. She's been untouchable for quite some time. And um, so, you know, she, instead of just kind of keeping her head down going, you know, I don't want to get dragged into this, is actually taking the exact opposite approach and just flaunting it in everyone's face and go, look at you suckers. If you're not on our team, this is what's going to happen to you. Uh, but if you are, then you can be like me and just get away with whatever you want to get away with. John Love is such a weenie. I don't know how else to put it either. He's, he's, he's one of the Obama bros who has like this uh, pod save America 
podcast. If it just had a little bit of integrity, you bring up the fact that, but Hillary, didn't you have a server in a bathroom that was probably accessed by our adversaries? I mean, is this something you think you should be celebrating? Doesn't it look like you're, maybe you got away with something here? Like anything, just some little pushback, but they can't do that. Or, or about how about the sitting president had you know, documents everywhere, including in his garage next to his Corvette and a bunch of other places, and that you know, potentially if they were to, indict, or to um, find Trump guilty of possession of documents, that that would set a precedent that might be bad for the sitting president that's part of your party. You know, like not, none of this seems to be brought into this conversation. No, it's not. And, and that's the thing. I, I'm not saying Trump didn't do anything wrong here. I'm just saying that if the other two people we just talked about in, in Hillary Clinton, the 2016 Democratic nominee and, and Joe Biden, the 2020 Democratic nominee, then either be consistent and then, then indict all of them or, or all of them get a slap in the wrist and you shouldn't have done that and you take the documents back and that should be the end of it. But it, obviously yes. this is a two-tiered justice system is a term that we're hearing a lot on cable news these days, at least one-third of it. Yeah, It does. You know what it reminds me of, Joe, though? I think that they may not focus on the document possession because that creates you know a, a bigger issue, obviously, a bigger hurdle for Biden. And lots, of course, they want him to go away and then that's a, a setup. But uh, assuming that that's not not the outcome that they want. It reminds me a lot of what happened to Martha Stewart, that mm. she didn't actually go to jail for insider trading, which was you know the original charge. She went for obstruction of justice and lying to investigators, because that's much easier hurdles to prove, and they have big sentences, and they can make a statement about that. And I think that's, that's probably the path that you're going to see here, because it's an easy way to avoid that actual wrongdoing precedent and still have a, a statement be made. Jonathan Turley, Carol, was on America's Newsroom earlier with uh, Bill Hammer, Dana Perino, and he has this numbers chart basically of, and breaks down this whole fiasco perfectly as far as the Miami case is concerned. He, he says it comes down to four numbers. I want to play this for you and get your reaction on the other side. Cut 13, go. 90 is actually the rough period before an election that the DOJ begins to shut things down. They have a policy not to take actions that could influence election. The first election, the primary, is in February. So that would put a trial in November or earlier. Uh, that's going to be very hard to do. 70 is the period for a speedy trial. But even though the prosecutors want a speedy trial uh, in 70 days, that's their, that is a protection for the defendant, not for the prosecutors. And they would be legally insane not to waive the speedy trial uh, uh, protection. Uh, that's going to make this even more difficult because they're going to push it further out towards that 90-day line. So that's the 90 part, right? And then he comes with two other numbers as well, and that's 12 and 1. So just one more cut, and then we'll get Carol's reaction. Cut 14. Go. The 12 is that you've got to come up with 12 jurors that are going to be unbiased. Polls show that about half of, the, uh, half of Americans believe this is a politically motivated case. That's going to be your pool. And then finally, one is the most important number of all. Trump has to run the tables. He can't leave a count there. If he loses a single count, he's looking at anywhere between a maximum of 10 and 20 years. Now, we can debate whether that's likely or not, but that's a sizable chunk of time for someone who's turning 77 today. But there's another problem for the prosecutors. Just as Trump can't lose one count, Jack Smith can't lose one juror. 
And this is a case where you could have uh, a hung jury and it may be increasingly difficult to bring another case. Well, I mean, that's perfect the way that was explained like that. That's, you know, basically this trial for dummies like me, 90, 70, as far as the number of days where you you have to get this done or else the DOJ basically has to put their hands up and say, sorry, you know, we're, we're not going to get involved as far as affecting any volts, even though they are already, obviously. But, but the 12 and the one part I found to be the most interesting. Carol, as far yeah. as lose one juror, lose the case, and you're in South, South you're, you're in Southern Florida. A lot of Trump fans down there. Yeah, I'm trying to get into sort of you know crazy mode to think about you know what the Democrats could be planning here, and given the sort of unrealistic time frames that you've gone through here in the clips, it could be that what they're trying to do is actually make Trump this martyr, like you know create this this well of support for him, um, you know, make, make sure that he's the primary winner because they believe that they can beat him in the general and they don't want any surprises. They know the playbook. They've been through it already and that, you know, they can then use all of this in the general election, which plays in a very different way than it does in the primary. So this may all be intentional strategy where, you know, it sounds at, at first blush like, well, you know, why are they doing this? You know, not only is this politicized, but the time frames make no sense and, and so on and so forth. You know, this could actually be part of their insanity and in their thinking. And that's my new column for The Messenger comes out tomorrow, themessenger.com, as far as the, the title is Trump Court TV to dominate election right up until the rematch nobody wants. And, and that's the thing. I don't think they... Ultimately, the, the people behind this care too much about putting Trump in prison, right? I think this is more, what do we make the 2024 election a referendum on? And it's going to be on Donald Trump's legal problems, not on, as we've talked about many times, wages not keeping up with inflation, not on the border, not on education, not on foreign policy, not on trade, not on taxes, not on Joe Biden, not on his age. It's going to be about Donald Trump and is he guilty and should he be in prison or not? It's just the way CNN, MSNBC, and most importantly, the White House want it, Carol. Yeah, I mean, certainly that creates this, uh, you know, sort of don't don't worry about voting for our guy, just voting voting against Trump. But, Joe, I mean, obviously you're writing the column on this tomorrow. This is right in your wheelhouse. But this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened to the MSNBCs and the CNNs of the world, you know, that they can get back viewership that they've lost and they can sit and eat popcorn and watch all of this drama play out. I mean, they've never done better than when they had the ability to just, you know, rail on Trump, you know, one day after another, you know, 24 hours a day. So this is sort of an ideal situation. It creates high stakes and drama. Like if you were trying to produce this, if you were a Hollywood producer, like you couldn't come up with a better scenario to boost your ratings as well as have that hook, as you said, for the election. Right. And it allows the Jake Tappers and the Rachel Maddows, Carol Roth, to get back up onto their soapboxes and piously lecture us how they will not put Donald Trump on the air in any way, shape or form. They'll talk about him 24 seven, but actually showing him in a good light in situations they can't control. Like when Trump post courthouse went to a Cuban restaurant in, 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 in Miami and Everybody there started singing happy birthday to him, and, and Tapper <laughs> just loses his mind, like, oh, my God, people like him? No, we can't show this as a campaign camera. Ah, what am, why am I describing it? Let's just play it. Cut 12. Go. We do have now some of the sound, as I told you, we're not, and the audience, we're not carrying his remarks live because, frankly, 
He says a lot of things uh, that are not true and sometimes potentially dangerous. We do not intend to carry these remarks live. Um, as we have said before in these circumstances, there is a cost to us as a news organization to knowingly oh. broadcast untrue things. We are here to bring you the news. It hurts our ability to do that if we live broadcast what we fully expect in advance to be a litany of lies and false accusations, no matter who says them. I hate this industry. <laughs> Carol, I really do. <laughs> can, can you be any more condescending? Could you? Oh, Rachel Maddow would never put anybody on the air who lies. Like, you know, no. Rachel Maddow, who for three years, no one talked about Trump-Russian collusion and presented it as fact, or the Steele dossier, which they presented as gospel instead of the gossip that it was, more than Rachel Maddow. As for Jake Tapper, before he made that speech, which it must have felt so good not to have Chris Lick there anymore to say, hey, what are you doing? We shouldn't be giving these kinds of opinions. Uh... All I know is before he said that, while he was uh, on set, before that speech, uh, he actually interviewed Angie McCabe, Andrew McCabe, for 20 minutes. Andrew McCabe got fired from the FBI as its uh, number two because he lied about leaking sensitive documents and information to The Wall Street Journal. So, no, we'll never put anybody on air who will lie, <laughs> except for Andy McCabe. And then after that, he interviewed Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and don't even get me started as far as her ability to tell the truth. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're right. This is all we're going to see now. Yeah, no, well, in her case, it's not, not a lie if you don't know the difference. That's just ignorance. But, uh, you know, Rachel Maddow, in that clip that you played, she got half of the truth out there, right? She said there is a big cost to organiza our organization if we, and then she ended it incorrectly. It's if we show Trump in a good light and we don't, you know, toe the party line here and create this high stakes and, and the drama. If we actually show you the truth, if we show that he, you know, is getting all of the support, that is the cost to the organization. It's not this thing about, you know, what's true and, and what's untrue, because we know that they have a, a dubious relationship um, with the truth. But there, she, she did kind of start going down that road in terms of what the cost is. And that's really what it, it comes down to at the end of the day for these organizations. They are not trying to find the truth. It's about dollars and cents to them. And so, you know, they need to make sure that they preserve, um, you know, this narrative and this drama that's being created. Sure, and look, I'll, I'll, I'll toot Fox's horn a little bit. We, we had people on the air yesterday, from Bill Barr to Jonathan Turley to Andy McCarthy, who said that these allegations against Trump are very serious, and he does risk going to jail. It wasn't everybody finding him guilty until proven innocent. It was actually smart analysis, and it wasn't all towing a line saying, Trump's great, this is BS, and ignore all this stuff. When you present different perspectives, you tend to get a bigger audience. I don't know. That's just me. We only got a, uh, about a minute, so I want to play a great game with you. I just played with my kids uh, last night while we're at dinner. They love uh, passing the time while waiting for, uh, for the food. It's called Would You Rather, okay? Okay. Ask? All right, so would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the future? I'd go 10. 10 minutes into the future. I'm too scared to see what 150 minutes into the future is going to look like. Yeah, 150 years, right? I mean, there might not be like much of a future at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, one more question before we go. Would you rather have telekinesis, am I pronouncing that correctly? Telekinesis, the ability right. to move things with your mind, or telepathy, the ability to read minds? Oh, uh, probably move things again. You know, never get ask a question you don't want to know the answer to. I don't want to know what some of these 
people are thinking. Ignorance is bliss, Joe. We know far too much. So oh, I, I'm wow. going to have to go with the, the easy way out on both of those. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, can you imagine what people are actually thinking when you're talking to them? And they have like that, that half smile on their face, like an pensive look. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to know. You're right. Don't want I, assume it's, I assume it's a monkey with an organ grinder. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is tremendous. Hey, her name's Carol Roth, and we got to go, unfortunately. But uh, look, uh, give, give us the name of the uh, book once again. You'll get nothing and like it. You will own nothing. Oh. I want you to own, the elite wants you to own nothing. I want you to own everything. So go on this book. Okay, very good. Out July 18th, but order it now. Carol's uh, last book was a tremendous, tremendous read and perfect for the summer. So, Carol, thanks for joining us. And enjoy, uh, let's see, I guess Flag Day today. Enjoy Flag Day. I, I, I can read your mind, Joe. I knew you were going to say that. Thank you. <laughs> perfect way to end this. Joe Kachian for Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Back with more in just a moment. The critics have spoken. It's a mess. It's a mess. This is Fox Across America. Welcome back, everybody. It is Fox Across America. I am Joe Concha, Fox News contributor and columnist for The Messenger. So we've talked because, let's face it, it's the story. And we'll, we'll try to pivot to some other ones in the next hour. But I just want to play real quick. William Barr, Bill Barr, cut 15, saying this could be a big problem for Donald Trump. Go. I was shocked by the degree of sensitivity of these documents and how many there were, frankly. And uh, so the government's agenda was to get those, uh, protect those documents and get them out. And I think it was perfectly appropriate to do that. It was the right thing to do. Uh, and I think the counts under the Espionage Act uh, that he willfully retained those documents are solid counts. Now, I, I do think we have to wait and see what the defense uh, says and, and, and what proves to be true. But I do think that even half what Andy McCarthy said, which is if even half of it is true, then he's toast. Toast. We're talking about a former president here and the current guy leading for the GOP nomination. And these are the conversations we're having. Uh, unbelievable. Bar's a straight shooter. Anyway, Joe Concha, back with more in a moment. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And welcome back to Fox Across America. I am Joe Concha in for the great Jimmy Fallon. Derek Hunter joins me now. He's a columnist for townhall.com, the author of Outrage, Inc., a tremendous book. And you used to have a blue check, Derek. I'm looking at your Twitter bio now, but you don't anymore. Didn't want to cough up the eight bucks? No, I used to have a blue check mark, and I used to be pretty. And since one, the latter isn't true, I felt no no justification or compunction to make the former true. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm not going to pony up eight bucks. If somebody wants to impersonate being me on social media, have at it. I did cough up the eight bucks, but only for this reason, okay, because I don't care about the whole, well, it distinguishes me as the real Joe Concha. You know, when you're D-list, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing about... The blue check that now allows you is this edit feature, and I am not the best set speller. For whatever reason, that, that part just didn't really stick in elementary school on. So this, this ability to be able to edit a tweet 60 minutes after the fact, up until anyway, I, I think it's a nice feature. See, now I'm a horrible speller with uh, dyslexia, and I understand that's a positive feature, but I also understand what the red line underneath what I'm typing means <laughs> and it means that it's misspelled and so i, I right click and check it or 
if there are some words, quite frankly, and I'm sad to admit this, and I'm glad my children aren't listening, uh, that I will, uh, and they also are horrible spellers, but mostly because they're six and four. Right. But I, uh, I will sometimes just go to the voice to text. It's like I don't even. I'm, sometimes I'm so horribly wrong with the spelling that I will go. I can't even guess at what this is. And Google, and Google will say, I don't know what you're trying to spell. And so I'll just go <laughs> voice to text. <clears throat> I do that when I'm driving the voice to text, and it, it's not even remotely close to English. Whatever it's interpreting, it, and I just tell the I person. I only do it I'm for typing. one word. I only do it for the words that I can't figure out how to spell. And that's oh. how sad. Well, you know what? We both make a pretty decent living writing, Joe, and we're sitting yes. here talking about how we're semi-literate at best. <laughs> Let's change topics, shall we? So <laughs> Nobody uh, listens to that part. We're – can't obviously avoid this situation, this story in any way, shape, or form. We probably won't through the entire 2024 election. So you absorbed it all yesterday as far as Trump and – these 30, what is it, seven indictments uh, over mm -hmm. these documents that he took to Mar-a-Lago. Where do you come down on the whole thing as far as how this compares to what Hillary did, what Hunter did? Is that even relevant? Is that called whataboutism or is that called, I don't know, precedent in this situation? Should Trump pay a price here in any way, shape or form? Will this impact him as far as the 2024 nomination? Have at it. Floor's yours. Well, I know you as a Jersey guy will easily – I'll give you a little hint to remember how many charges there were. Just think clerks, and you'll remember 37. All right. If anybody Kevin knows Smith. Kevin Smith's movie. Um, <laughs> what about ism is completely valid because it's pointing out hypocrisy. I will point out that when liberals are hypocrites, they benefit from it. They, you know, oh, money is evil, capitalism is bad, and here's your fifth mansion, Bernie Sanders. When they're hypocrite, and the left doesn't seem to care. When a conservative is a hypocrite, it's saying, you know, hey, families matter, family values matter, and then you find out that they've got six different. They love families so much they have six of them across the country, <laughs> right. and it ruins them. So, what aboutism is important because we have to hold politicians of every stripe accountable. That being said, that a, a Good defense for O.J. would not have been, well, other people have chopped heads off. <laughs> right. And so it, it's difficult. I don't know. I will say I'm not a lawyer. I sometimes play one on the radio, but I'm not a lawyer. I will say that the best day for a prosecutor is the day that they launch an indictment because they get to decide what to highlight in that indictment and what to not bury and, and what to bury and, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's no cross-examination of it. There's no defense of it. It's all downhill from there. It seems as though what Trump is accused of would be at best, in my mind, ill-advised because they're not saying that he, he took classified documents and handed them around the room saying, hey, check this out. It's classified. He, he's allegedly held up a piece of paper. We don't even know if it would be weird for him to travel with these fairly seemingly insignificant documents and wave them around at, at things that just maybe it was a, just a piece of papers. I wish I could show you this, as politicians do. So and if he's not disseminating the information in it but saying this has information in it, that's not really a crime. It's the dissemination of the information that's the crime. So I'm not really sure the – Lying to federal investigators or lying to different agencies, if they can prove that, that seems more like a perjury trap to me. A slap on the wrist would be necessary. I mean, hell, we've got a current secretary of energy who lied about owning individual stocks just 
a couple of weeks, a couple months ago. And uh, there is no call whatsoever for her to face any repercussions. Again, that's what about ism, but it is important because, as you know, Joe, the Justice Department hasn't even bothered to explain what about this case makes it more egregious than Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump had the ability to declassify documents. He's alleged to have had those documents after and talked about them after he had that ability, but he had the ability to declassify documents. Hillary Clinton, her entire life, has never possessed that power. Joe Biden, in his entire life until January 20th, 2021, didn't have the ability to do that. Yet both of them engaged in very similar, and since we don't know the content of the documents, perhaps more egregious instances of this, and didn't even get a slap on the wrist. I guess Hillary kind of got a, you really shouldn't have done that talking to, a la Ward Cleaver from James Comey, but that was it. That was the thing with Hillary Clinton specifically. She had a server that very easily could have been hacked by foreign adversaries, right? I mean, th- th- this isn't documents no that were in her possession, right? Uh, yeah, there's no question of that. There's, yeah, there's uh, no way it wasn't. And that's the thing, right? I mean, I'm, I'm reading a story from 2016 about this, and they're saying, yeah, it's not like the hacker is going to leave any evidence that they actually were in the server. You know, they're not going to leave any trail in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, it, well, there's they a might have forensic pathologist, a forensic uh, computer team team could have possibly found that, but it's hard to find evidence of hacking when the server set on fire and dumped in the East River like it's a mob informant. <laughs> That's, That's true. the problem. The, the, she, if she was concerned about national security, she would have wanted to know whether or not her server was breached. That I'm she to, yeah. went to such lengths to make sure that nobody could know whether or not her server was breached kind of tells you something. Yes, this is true. And obviously the, the smashed blackberries and the bleach bit and all, yeah. all that fun stuff. I'm just trying I to imagine. I have a drawer filled with all of my old iPhones. I have <laughs> not smashed any of them. Some of them still work and have pretty good playlists on them, by the way. But I have not said, all right, well, I'm done with this. Granted, I'm not Secretary of State or whatever or trying to hide anything from the government, but I've never thought I must smash this to bits. Precisely. You, you throw it out. Or you, it's funny. I do that with my iPhones, too. I, I, I make them into basically mixtapes that I, that I play in the backyard the during parties. Mini, mini iPads and give them to the kids so they leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, because the Wi-Fi still works, right? So it, you don't you don't destroy these things. They are worth something still. Yeah, that, that's that's the exact thing, and that's what it sickens me. I, I don't like to use like the big hyperbolic words, but seriously, it was almost nauseating to watch Hillary Clinton twerk yesterday rhetorically, do an end zone dance around Trump when she obviously got away with what she did. I would, if if she had any shame, she would keep her mouth shut in this situation. But instead, well, she's... there's the catch, isn't it? If she had any shame. Look, you and I, as as media critics and critiquers, recognize that the only way she can do what she does is because she is comforted like a warm blanket on a cold winter night in the fact that there is literally no one with a press credential who's going to get it within the same zip code as her to question her about it, to call her out on it, to point out to an audience that already doesn't like her uh, that the hypocrisy of it all you get those sorts that's how joe biden can sit there and tell tall tales like 
Bo Biden died in Iraq or he was involved in the civil rights movement. He knows that nobody is going to get within a country mile of him to call him out and say, why did you lie about being arrested trying to go to rob an island in South Africa to visit Nelson Mandela? Right. You, 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 you weren't. And if you were, why did you fly to Johannesburg more than a thousand miles away? Rather than Soweto or whatever, closer to that. Why would were you planning on taking a road trip? Like none of this makes any sense. But he knows he'll never be called out on it. He can talk about I give you my word as a Biden and I love my family. Yeah. And you go, you've only got six stockings on the mantle there and you've got seven grandkids. Why don't what did the little five year old that Hunter had with the stripper ever do to you? He knows he'll never be asked about that. So he can go around and do whatever he wants to do. And I'll, I'll have to leave it here. I mean, that's why my book did as well as it did, because I had no competition. <laughs> I mean, no. where is Jim Acosta and Jonathan Carl and Maggie Haberman? Well, we're here to speak truth to power. And they write all these books about Trump and they make all this money off of it. Not seeing any books from them about the current president. How odd is that? I'll give you 10 seconds. Final word. You don't see any not only no books about them. You don't see books from them. You don't see any real news from them either. Do you? Not at all. You just don't. Yep. That's the telling part. And Derek, we'll have to leave it on that fun note. But thank you for joining us today. Enjoy, I guess, no, I guess there's nothing really coming up. Now, what is it? Flag Day. Is it? Enjoy Flag Day, yes. That, My that's, birthday that's is next week. I shall enjoy that. Wow, 36 Plus Father's Day. Father's Day is this weekend, too, Joe. That's right. You have a good Father's Day. I, I'm hosting, so I'll, I'll be working, basically. But I'll try. You too, sir. Thank you. Derek Hunter, he is a columnist for townhall.com and the author of Outrage, Inc. Derek, thanks for joining us once again. The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. Big and bright. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back, everybody. It is Fox Across America. Joe Concha in for Mr. Fela. 888-788-9910. That is your toll-free number. Totally free. Won't cost you a thing. People still say that. It's kind of odd. Like, call toll-free. It's like, dude, that ended like 20 years ago. Anyway, I want to play cuts 17 and 18 here real quick because it's important while we're talking about Trump, 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 Trump. There is a sitting president uh, that appears to have some legal troubles perhaps coming on his own. The only difference is, of course, there's a D next to his name and he's the president and his Department of Justice isn't going to move in any way, shape or form against him or his son. After all, the Hunter Biden investigation, we're coming up on a special five year anniversary since that was launched. You want to talk about slow walking? I've seen Jello move faster. Anyway, let's play cut 17. Here's Ted Cruz accusing FBI Deputy Director of covering up details of the Biden family's alleged $5 million bribery scheme. Cut 17, go. I'm just not going to comment on uh, information we received, investigations. Or you owe an matters. obligation to the American people to be candid about evidence of corruption by the president of the United States? This is uh, an area that I'm not going to get into with you, Senator. Because you're stonewalling and covering up serious allegations of evidence of corruption from the president. A lot of people don't trust the intelligence communities anymore. That was not the case even, say, 10 years ago. But then James Comey stepped in it in 2016, 
angered Democrats and Republicans as far as the FBI getting involved in the political process. They did it again in 2020. They did it again before the 2022 midterms. Because remember, all these documents that were found at the Penn Biden Center, which is funded by, I don't know, the Chinese, well, they were found a couple days before the midterm elections, yet we didn't hear about it until 69 days after the votes were cast. So if the FBI is being so transparent and honest, well, why would they hide that information before an election? Hmm. Go figure. Anyway, Cut 18 is basically, I don't know. This should be the lead on every newscast, and it won't be. But here is the aforementioned FBI deputy director admitting to redacting recordings between Joe and Hunter Biden in document shown to Congress. Cut 18. So you chose to redact the... The fact that there are 17 voice recordings, two of those with the now president, you chose to redact that and not to give that to House Oversight. I have Is no idea if there are voice recordings or not. What I will tell you with respect to the you document, no... the document was redacted to protect the source, as everyone knows. Well, then and this let... is a question of life My and death, time potentially. Potentially life or death. Okay, funny how all these redactions only happen when it comes to the Biden family, but everything when it comes to Donald Trump, the leaks like a sieve. Remember all those pictures of all those documents on the floor uh, in that closet at Mar-a-Lago, all those documents perfectly set up, oh, and somehow got out to the New York Times. How did that happen? It, it, the, the jig is up, people, and it's, it's I don't even want to say sad. It's, it's more disturbing than anything else. Let's take some calls, shall we, before we go to break. Alex from Brooklyn. They still got a Peter Luger over there, Alex. Is that is that still a thing? I haven't been there in years. I didn't know what you said. Sorry, Joe. But, uh, oh. I was. I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you clearly said. But I was talking to the call screener. Yeah. And he's a really smart guy. I wanted to ask you a question. Why is there such little outrage coming from Republican voters over this indictment for the second time? You know, a couple of months ago, I was seeing on social media, if they indict Trump, we're going to have serious outrage and massive protests and now people are saying if they arrest him we're going to have the massive outrage and i was thinking why why don't we see this outrage going on now and your call screener is a very smart guy actually uh he said well maybe it's because of january 6th right they freaked out all republicans you lift a finger in defense of trump and you'll get in serious trouble and maybe yeah, that's yeah. what it is it was interesting and, uh, and yesterday said, alex to, to see uh, in front of that courthouse far more media members than so-called protesters, right? Uh, and I, I think, honestly, uh, it's fatigue. I, I think that this is not just about the Alvin Bragg indictment and what happened in Manhattan last month and now Trump in Miami. We're going all the way back to like five minutes after he was elected in 2016, being accused of being a Russian agent, uh, as being a pawn for the Kremlin. And then the whole special counsel investigation that went on for three years. And then when that failed, then the impeachment over... Uh, the call with the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, saying, hey, maybe you should investigate Hunter and Joe Biden. Looking back, that call was very appropriate and probably warranted. And he gets impeached over that. I think he gets impeached over January 6th. And now we have what's going on here. So I think at some point, I just think some folks are just worn out. They are worn out and they just so everybody's like... just worn out about this. And we're basically defeated if that's the case. But I was thinking, you know, it could be another factor it could be it's just Republicans are not emotionally driven and dramatic people like the Democratic Party. And that's true. people thought would have massive outreach based on what we saw in 2020 when George Floyd was killed by a bad, bad apple cop. Right. Yeah. And you had that kind of outreach. You think if you have a leader of the Republican Party being persecuted at this level, you would have extreme outrage. But no, Republicans are not emotionally driven. The Democratic Party works with emotions and drama. And so if this was the Democratic Party, maybe we would have more uh, 
more outrage than what we see now. Uh, even MAGA Republicans, you know, they're connected emotionally with Trump, but they have control over their emotions. They're not going to go to the next level of violence like the Democratic Party does. You're right about the emotion part. That, that's how Democrats govern. It's all about emotion. It's all about fear-mongering. And Republicans tend to be more based on policy and acting more like mature adults when we're talking about lawmakers are concerned. I mean, yeah, there, there, there's not been much. I mean, you see a lot of it on social media. I guess maybe that's how people are protesting now. Maybe they don't go into the streets anymore. Maybe they don't march on a certain courthouse or whatever. Now I think they all run to Twitter and just and, and voice their outrage there. And if they use all caps, then they really, really mean it. So, yeah, that's a great, great call, Alex. Thanks so much. And you're right. The call screener is exceptionally exceptionally uh, smart. Well, what did you get in your SATs, call screener? Can we get the call screener on? Uh, do we have a mic for him? No? Okay. I'm just curious what was no, going no, You're good, screener. Joe. I was okay. putting my headset on. Um, yeah. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> really? I don't. No. Do you think you did okay? Like, where'd you go to Oh, college? I definitely did well. I went to uh, Ithaca College. But... Great school. Yeah, good school. Yeah. Great school. Cold. My yes. kids aren't going cold. No Syracuse for them. Florida, <laughs> Georgia, baby. Joe Concha, back with more in a moment. Oh, you shouldn't have in the control room. Dan Hagar, tell me why. This can't be luck. I got to tell you, as far as, this is Joe Concha for Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America. As most times when you lose a major frontman like David Lee Roth, who was bigger than God back in, let's say, the late 70s, early 80s, when Van Halen was at its very peak as like a top three band in the country. Okay, if you just look at the sales, you look at the concerts and, 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 and the, the sellouts of stadiums across the stadium, uh, across the country. And David Lee Roth, not just a great singer, but a, a showman, a, a performer. You know, music videos for Van Halen were outstanding because of him and obviously the late Eddie Van Halen. So then you think once he leaves the band, then they're toast, right? I mean, how can they possibly move forward? I, I get that Eddie's a, a great guitarist, but without that that voice that everybody associates with Van Halen, it, it, it's not going to go well. And then Hagar steps in, right? Kind of a middle-of-the-road kind of rocker, right? And they were just as good. I know people think I'm nuts when I say that, but I like Van Hagar just as much as I like Van Halen. And then Hagar left, and they brought in somebody else, and that, that truly was the end of it. But uh, I've never seen that before, a band of that level lose a lead singer like that and still perform in terms of ticket sales and in terms of record sales the way Van Halen and Van Hagar did. Anyway, that was a complete tangent. Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, I hear that, that, that sound and brings me back to the late 80s when Van Hagar was a big deal. Anyway, our, our very patient guest is waiting on the line, however, and this is Congressman Scott Fitzgerald. He represents Wisconsin's 5th Congressional District, House Judiciary Committee member, and also on the Financial Services Committee as well. You could follow him at Rep Fitzgerald. Congressman, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it hey joe can i can i offer my own uh, take on yes. your earlier comments absolutely um what about acdc when brian wilson replaced bon scott that belongs in the conversation you about it yeah and that was around it was a little bit before but yeah it was in that era that's for sure all right I, I feel a column coming. I, I'm, I'm going to write about this. My editor will kill me because I should be talking about other things like we're about to talk about. But I, I think this is worth certainly a thousand words. Anyway, uh, so Congress and I have to get 
your take on what we witnessed in Miami yesterday, uh, completely uh, unprecedented as far as what we're looking at with these 37 counts, uh, these indictments as far as not just in Miami, but also New York and Alvin Bragg over hush money payments to an adult film star. Uh, Where do you come down as far as the Department of Justice? Has we have we gone past the point where we even need to put question marks around this has the department of justice been weaponized for political purposes yeah i don't think there's any doubt at this point um and and this is obviously the latest round of evidence but as a member of judiciary time and time again um it's been kind of demonstrated to the committee overall that they are more than willing to kind of cut corners to get to their ultimate goal and you know obviously this indictment the 37 criminal charges um is just um it's unbelievable and quite honestly i think it's it's resulted in uh this backlash that certainly uh i'm hearing about back in my district as well as uh with other members And, and and also tease up obviously the inequities of the Biden crime family getting away with everything and anything under the sun, and yet they continue to go after uh, after go after President Trump. And that's the amazing part about this: that since Trump is now front and center, as he always is, as far as the news cycle is concerned, we're, we're looking at, especially here with the federal charges, this going past the 2024 election. Therefore. It seems like the goal isn't so much, okay, we got to get Trump and get him in jail and just to take him off the map completely, but at least make this this whole spectacle basically the centerpiece for what we're talking about going into an election instead of the things that you talk about probably with your constituents on the ground as far as wages not keeping up with inflation and the border crisis unabated and education test scores at a 30-year low. We obviously see crime driving people out of major cities across the country. Many, many of those cities, most of them, are run by Democrats. And obviously China eyeing up Taiwan, all these huge issues, and I'm only scratching the surface there, are going to go off the table. And instead, if Donald Trump is the nominee, then this is all we're going to be talking about. And we won't be talking about, Congressman, Joe Biden's record and his history of corruption as well, not just on, on that stage, but also just on policy and the way he's performed and all the things I just talked about where he is vastly underwater. So does I'll, let me let me quote the Wall Street Journal. I'll put it this way. It's depressing to think that this could continue for another two years. This is from the editorial board as the indictment and trial dominate the 2024 presidential campaign. Republican primary voters may be the last res- resort to spare the country this fate. So. Uh, do you support Donald Trump as far as a nomination, Congressman, or are you looking at other options? Or at this point, you're you're not willing to commit? No, I've been supportive of President Trump uh, since day one when he uh, he pulled off the 2016 miracle, and Wisconsin was a big part of that. Uh, what I think, what you're seeing as of late, is is really uh, what most independent voters. Uh, can't stand is the hypocrisy, right? Yeah. I mean, died in the world Democrats are going to say, great, I'm glad they're going after Trump. Let's get them. But, you know, what they have to be careful of is that middle of the road, and Wisconsin is full of them in a purple state of people that, that hate hypocrisy. And, and, and again, this is what DOJ has put at the forefront. You know, we're more than willing to go after our own political opponents, but when it comes to, you know, actually living up to the statutes or working through 
uh, a judicial system that should be fair for all. Um, it just doesn't exist right now for, uh, for on many different fronts as far as that goes. And we're talking to Congressman Scott Fitzgerald of Wisconsin. It must frustrate you, Congressman, that you have all these hearings, right, and you present all this evidence as far as Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, James Biden, Hallie Biden, a, a guidance counselor in Delaware, receiving tens of, you know, she received tens of thousands of dollars. We're talking about up to $10 million as far as what the Biden family has made. And, and we have yet to hear and have it defined exactly what services were rendered to get paid that kind of money from companies that exist in China or Ukraine and elsewhere. And yet the media doesn't seem very interested in a story that if there was an R next to the name of, of this president as a Republican, uh, then it would be wall to wall to wall. Instead, it's either silence of the lambs or or they mock the efforts of House GOP members as saying, oh, they're, they're just doing this to use the words we used before, weaponize uh, the gavel. Yeah, and I think with um, with the House flipping and with uh, with McCarthy and chairman like Jordan, uh, we're doing the, the work right now. We're actually doing the, he- the heavy lifting. Uh, but, you know, people want that to translate into, you know, we want Hillary Clinton in jail. We want Hunter Biden in jail. And, and those, that's kind of the most difficult thing to describe to people is, you know, we're methodically kind of working through this, both in oversight, judiciary, and any other committee that, that kind of touches that jurisdiction. Uh, but people want kind of quick results, and uh, you got to reassure them that we're on the right track and we're doing the right things to get to that point. When you speak to people on the ground, Congressman, at your average barbecue or you're just out at a store, whatever it may be, what do they bring up to you most as far as the number one issue that they're most worried about? Uh, it, quite honestly, it's – and part of it, I think, is because of Fox, and, you know, I represent a – a fairly conservative district, it's still the border, you know? I mean, I I think because it's so in your face on a daily basis, people, it's very easy easy to understand, comprehend kind of the slate of issues related to it. And uh, and then they see it in the, they see it back home, you know? I mean, uh, you know, we don't have coach buses dropping off people uh, in our major metropolitan areas yet in Wisconsin, but guess what? There's been this this migration that's been going on for many years, and people are very aware of it. And so you hear about it all the time. And you, you look at the numbers; they're so staggering. Six point five million people uh, have been apprehended crossing the border. And when you think about what six point five million, these are the ones we know about. Forget the gotaways. Then put the number probably above eight million. But 6.5 million is 500,000 more people than the entire population of Wisconsin. And as a matter of fact, there are 32 states that don't have a population of 6.5 million, yet we've allowed all these people in. And whenever you hear a question, the rare times it's asked of Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, she'll say, oh, well, Republicans are playing games. They're not serious about it. They just want photo ops of the border, and we need immigration reform. But she never actually defines what that may mean. So... Until a Republican president is in his office, this is just going to continue to, to, to happen, right? Where, oh, by the way, 200 people on the terror watch list have also been apprehended at the border since Biden came into office. I mean, this is a national security issue, yet it's just apathy, it seems, from our press and from Democrats. Why is that? 
Well, I, you know, if you've been down to McAllen or I've, I've spent a couple of days in the San Diego sector, I mean, many of the members of the Judiciary, Judiciary Committee have been down there numerous times now. I mean, the one thing, it, the, that, that's the big issue, right? The individuals that are making their way across. And, but if you talk to people that, not just Border Patrol agents, but if you talk to members of the Homeland Security team down there, they'll, they'll tell you, I mean, their biggest concern is that the cartels own both sides of the river, both sides of the wall, and the smuggling that goes on in the San Diego sector is just been over the top. And, and we've been privy to all the evidence that's kept by the Ninth Circuit down there. If you saw the amount of fentanyl, not only that, but cocaine and weed and all of these, uh, all of these uh, other pharmaceuticals that may or may not be bogus uh, in the way that they're manufactured, I mean, you, you understand that it is absolutely the gateway to the rest of the U.S. I mean, they go right up the interstate through Denver, and then it's distributed nationwide. I mean, it's not, it's not something where it's onesie-twosie stuff at the border, you know? No, not at all. And, and you look at what is the leading cause of death among adults between the age of 18 and 49? And it's not car crashes, and it's not suicides, and it's not pick your disease here. It's, it's fentanyl. It is opioid addiction and opioid overdoses. And this is obviously another crisis that gets very little play in, in the press, and, and it's, it's a whole bowl of wrong. Remember, fentanyl comes by way of China through Mexico and then into communities across the country. And we're talking to Congressman Scott Fitzgerald. We only have a minute or two left, but I, I did want to get your thoughts because this is also an important topic that should be discussed, and that is Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Does he have anything left in the tank, Congressman? <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a portion of Wisconsinites that uh, are ready to move on from the drama because – I mean, you can imagine if, if you heard about it just about every day nationwide, can you imagine the steady diet of that that we received if you live in Wisconsin? So I think there's a portion of us that are ready for Rogers to move on. And we kind of relived We did this with Brett Favre. You know, we went yep. through all these uh, kind of gut-wrenching uh, changes. So I, I think we'll be fine, and, and I think uh, he, he probably will do okay. He'll probably do okay in New York. I think so. I, I think there's still the arm is still there. Certainly, he's had some injuries over the last two years, but I don't think they're really age related per se. Just bad luck, more or less. And it, it is amazing, though, that the, the two biggest—I mean, obviously, it was Bart Starr—but we're talking about the modern era. Uh, their two biggest quarterbacks in Favre and in Rodgers both decided to go to a franchise that hasn't been to a Super Bowl in 55 years. Maybe it's like, okay, I wore green already, so I might as well just go to the green in this way. I don't have to adjust my eyes to anything. Perhaps that's it. But uh, either way, I think you're in very good hands uh, with Jordan Love, by the way, and I'm going on the record. Right? Put this in the congressional record, as a matter of fact. You'll make the playoffs with Jordan Love next year. That's great. I, lo- I love the forecast. I love it. Yeah, and I'm a Bears fan, so to say that is really painful, <laughs> but, but what are you going to do? Anyway, Congressman, th- thanks so much for the time today, and certainly uh, we'll be talking again down the road. Have a good flag day. Great to be with you. Thanks, Joe. Okay, take care. It is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America, back with more in just a moment. The show that's standing up to big tech. Get those nerds! 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 You're listening to Fox Across America. Welcome back, everybody. It is Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, in for Jimmy Fallon. On the Jimmy Fallon Show. 
I guess it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Taylor. Okay. It's, anyway, it's a cool-sounding title, no question. Uh, I want to talk about this, and it, it, I think it just shows you how insane our country has become. Insane. There's no other way to put it. All right? And what I'm about to say isn't transphobic. It's pro-women. My wife ran track Georgetown. All right. And she was pre-med. Imagine that you're studying to be a doctor, which, which is, you know, that that's not like the communications major that I had. That That's a tough stuff where you, you don't miss classes and you study your butt off. And then on top of that, you're getting up at like five o'clock in the morning every day and, and, and training because you're competing on a division one level level for a very, very good track program. And she's not political in any way, shape or form. You know, she works now as a doctor. She's working a 14-hour shift today, for example. Then we have two kids on top of that who are in every sport that's ever been invented, I'm, I'm convinced. So they're athletes like, uh, more like their mom than their dad, certainly. But the point is that she's busy with stuff, right? So she'll pay attention to like what happened yesterday with Trump once in a while and ask me a question or two. But overall, is she engaged, engaged? No, because she's got a lot of other things on her plate. But when the Leah Thomas situation came about, and Leah Thomas is the guy who was ranked 337th in the country when he raced as a male and then at the university of penn he decided to become a girl and suddenly uh, was winning national championships and she says i couldn't even imagine looking down the blocks and and seeing this guy who has legs like saquon barkley all right, she's a big giant fan. Saquon Barkley, I'm about to race against this person. I know I'm going to lose. I know that all the training that I put myself through, the, the blood, sweat, and tears to be number one on a Division One level, and now I got a guy racing against me, a big guy, and I know I'm going to lose. I, I could try as hard as I can, and I could say, oh, maybe I should have trained better. No, it's like why steroids are banned from professional sports. It gives you a chemical advantage, and that's why they're banned. And that's why women or men that become women and then race against other women should be banned from racing against them. Is that transphobic? No. I'm standing up for the 99.999% of women who know that this is unfair. That's it. But, no, regardless, here you have Corrine Jean-Pierre, White House press secretary, saying it's dangerous to question the safety of female athletes competing against males. No, she really said this. Cut 21, go. What would the president say to parents out there who have daughters, uh, let's say from high school, for example, who are worried that their daughter may have to compete against a male, a, a, a person born male, and, they, and there could be directly in physical athletic competition and worry about their daughter's safety? So look, uh, I, what you're alluding to is basically saying that transgender kids are dangerous. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Well, you're saying you you're saying that their safety is at, is in, is is at risk. Yeah, but you're 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 laying out a broad kind of broad example or explanation of what could potentially happen. A broad a broad example explanation. That is dangerous. There can't be anyone in this country that is worse at their job than this White House press secretary. Look, Jen Psaki, I was critical of her, but boy, she at least could answer questions somewhat coherently, right? And, and with Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, uh, John Kirby should be in this position. The guy at least has some credibility and can put together sentences and does answer questions. Karine Jean-Pierre is just a hot mess in a dumpster fire who shouldn't be the press secretary for Mayor Quimby in Springfield. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. Back with more in a moment.
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back, everybody. Joe Concha subbing for Jimmy Fallon on this rainy Wednesday. I don't remember. I'm in Jersey, North Jersey, near New York, about 20 miles out. I can remember the last time it rained, like at all. Like maybe it did like in the middle of the night, you know, like a week or two back, but, you know, not the type of thing that you actually can see and feel. So I went outside before just to grab something real quick, and it was pouring. And I'm like, what is this this is liquid stuff coming down from the sky? Because remember last week it was dark here, and it was gray, but we had that whole smog thing, which was a mess. Speaking of mess, I mean, right now I'm, I'm doing this from my basement uh, in, in the aforementioned uh, North Jersey. And it's kind of cool because all this technology exists now where it doesn't matter. I, I do TV 80% of the time from home, from my basement. I'm the original Joe in his basement. Also Fox News contributor, I should mention that as well. And I can do radio from here because I have the technology for that as well. So this sounds just like if I was in uh, some fancy New York studio. But I had to kind of navigate the uh, the cleaning folks. Now, look, I'm not an elitist in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm almost uncomfortable talking about this, but I brought it up, so I might as well finish the thought. But once a month, my wife and I get a service to come in here just to really get that deep clean that, you know, as a regular human, right, uh, you, you just can't do. And, and these gals are, are super human, this, this group that I use called Gladys. It's like an army. There's like five of them, you know, but they could get done quicker, and I guess they could move along to other houses more. The point is that it is exhausting having them here because what you got to do, and maybe some of you can relate to this, you got to clean up for the cleaning people. Like, you can't just leave it as a mess, and trust me. My wife's name in, in my phone right now is uh, Hot Mess. Everybody gets a, a nickname, and she is Hot Mess because she's hot, but boy, is she messy. And then when you have a first grader and a third grader, then the thing gets completely out of control. So I got up today. I did Fox and Friends first, and afterwards, for about two hours, I cleaned the house. I mean, you're talking, you can't leave dishes for them. Like, they're here to clean, clean, you know, like clean the, the toilet and clean the showers and mop the floors and dust everything off. They're not here to do your dishes and fold your clothes, right? So uh, by the time I got through all this, exhausted. And now they just left. I just, I just heard the door shut. And this place, I mean, I could just see the basement anyway, but it looks immaculate. It's perfect. They even vacuumed the couches. I mean, oh, I can't recommend them enough. But here's the thing. My kids are at school right now. Wife's at work. And trust me, when the kids get home, that will be one leg coming out from underneath the stool. And then when my wife comes home and is here tomorrow, and when the kids are done with school next week, then the whole thing falls apart. I give it 24 hours before I'm right back to where I was at 6 o'clock this morning in terms of the way the house looks. And I I don't know. I, I guess that's a thing that most parents, most families go through. But the funny thing is, even when I drop by someone's house and maybe it'd be unexpected like to pick up my kid during a play date or whatever, everybody's house is like so damn clean. It's always so nice. You know, like, like you see on TV. It's not a thing out of place. Right? Well, what was that uh, show, guys? So you, and you could, you could grab a microphone again real quick. Uh, it was really popular. It had the guy who played Al Bundy in it. And it was about a family uh, that Julie Bone was in. And anyway, their house was always clean. And they had like eight kids. I'm like, this, this is not possible. It is impossible, as a matter of fact. Modern Family, right? Modern Family. Met. Thank you for that. Modern Family. It was uh, very popular. ABC, I believe. I got to tell you, I have not watched even a stitch of network primetime television. I can't. I guess it was Modern Family, maybe the last time. But I wouldn't like seek it out type of thing. You know, me and my wife would have it on and I would just kind of wander into the room. But 
Yeah, now it's just Netflix. It's uh, Succession. I'm way behind on that. I know. I guess they, they've already finished the series, uh, and I've, I've stayed away from any of the spoilers. But I, I'll watch that from time to time. But to be honest with you, for a guy who's on TV, I don't watch much TV. I watch clips. I'm big on clips on my phone. But as far as like sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to watch this show right now, unless it's a sporting event, it just ain't happening. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting old, and it just these types of shows don't appeal to me. But I, I know every Friday night when I was growing up, it was the oddest thing. It was on CBS. They had the number one and number two show in the country, all right? This is uh, in, like, early, mid-'80s. Okay, and I'm, I'm a young, young kid. And I would watch The Dukes of Hazard, and that was on at 8 o'clock, which was basically the same episode over and over again. It was just, you know, Bo and Luke. They're basically the cops in town, even though they're not. I don't even know what their jobs were, quite frankly. But basically, they would solve all the crimes that the inept police force run by Roscoe P. Coltrane and Enos and Boss Hogg basically could not do. Uh, but obviously, that by doing that, they went outside of their jurisdiction, and then they end up getting chased. And there's always like a, a scene where they're jumping over something. And when you're six, seven years old, it's the coolest show you could ever watch. Then after that, Dallas was on, which was... Not exactly Dukes of Hazard, right? Like one had car chases and then the other one was uh, basically a drama and a great one. And even though I was seven, my parents let me watch it, which probably wasn't a good idea. And that was with the great Larry Hagman as J.R. Ewing. And they were number one and two in the country every week. I mean, this is insane stuff. In fact, Dallas, the Who Shot J.R. episode was watched by, and I'm double checking this right now. So I'm doing something called stretching while I uh, find this. Uh, That was viewed by Who Shot J.R.? was viewed by it was many many million 83 million a nielsen rating of 53.3 thanks for uh, getting that to me yeah i mean think about that 83 million viewers now let me see if i can put that in perspective hmm uh let's see the world series last year right how many people watched the world series now remember 83 million for dallas 12.87 million so 13 million people Watch the World Series, the clinching game, Game 6, when the Astros beat the Phillies. Okay, two, two pretty big markets. So $13 million for that. And if I'm doing multiplication here, to get to $83 million, 13 times what, 6? That gets me about to 80, yeah, a little bit below it. So six times the audience to find out who shot some guy in a fictional show. Now, I know we have streaming. I just talked about that, and there's cord cutting, but... That's insane type of numbers, right? I mean, you imagine the celebrity that, that, that these people are uh, as far as Hagman was concerned and Linda Gray and uh, whoever played Bobby. I always forget. Patrick Duffy, yes. So, boy, we've gotten off into a very heavy uh, A block here in the 2 o'clock hour. But I don't know. It just felt like uh, riffing, as they say, in the business. Uh, speaking of great television, and this was genius, I think, on Hannity's part. Because the best television you can do, I believe, is when – you have two strong-willed people having a civil disagreement over stuff that matters, right? And, and I'll, to use a sports analogy, I love PTI, all right? And I DVR that. And maybe once a week I'll, I'll, I'll find the time to, to watch an episode. And it's perfect because you have two hosts that disagree with each other on some things, but certainly not all. But, but they, mainly what they do is give two different perspectives. And it's done in a smart way, and no one's screaming at each other and everything because I just find that contrived and corny. But in this case, the Hannity Newsom interview, you would think would just be a complete meltdown in a hurry, you know, because Newsom's so far to the left, and, and Sean is the staunch conservative that he has been his whole life and is unapologetic about it. And instead, the, the questions were excellent. The follow-ups were warranted. And it never got to the point where you're just like, all right, I'm going to turn this off. I can't hear anything. These guys are screaming over each other. Listen to these two exchanges, and, and you're going to know what I mean in case you haven't caught it. It's cut 
20, let's see, the one that I really, really liked was the, here we go, cut 25. Here's where the governor talks about going to the French Laundry Restaurant. You remember, that's in Napa, fancy, fancy restaurant. Eight indoors. This was when COVID was raging and Newsom completely knocked, locked down his state more than any other. And then this guy goes to dinner with 12 other people, also unmasked. And it's the ultimate hypocrisy. And good for Sean to, to bring it up. Cut 25. Go. By the way, over, you probably should have gone to the French Laundry. Just no, it was a dumb mistake. It was a terrible mistake. It wasn't illegal. It was wrong. And it, I yeah. totally violated the spirit of what I was preaching. Yeah. And it was wrong. And I own that. I own that. And you know what? For the grace of God, no one else has ever made a mistake. I guess I did. I own that. Okay. Everybody makes wrong. mistakes. However, but, that was a dumb but one. But it was dumb. <laughs> it was. And, I agree. and I own it. So, uh, so right. I don't need to be reminded of it. Close quarters, no you. mask. And I'm like, all right. Uh, it was. Yeah, well, hey, look, by the way, right. I think it was your birthday party, right? Uh, it was a good friend's 50th birthday oh, party. Okay. The, the restaurant was legally open. It was dumb. Now, here's the thing. Newsom says that he owned it, right? Like, okay, he made a mistake and he didn't try to make excuses for it. And all of that is true. After uh, the, the photos came out of that, what's he going to do? There's photos, right? He, he's not going to be able to spin his way out of this one. But what bugs me is then a year later, it's the Super Bowl. And Los Angeles is hosting one for the first time since, God, probably 1993, I want to say, uh, Cowboys-Bills at the Rose Bowl, where they should hold every Super Bowl every year. Like, don't do these other venues, artificial turf nonsense. Play it at the Rose Bowl, and we'll all be happy. But they won't do that. They won't do that because they're going to play in a stadium that has an NFL team. The point is that during that Super Bowl, Bengals-Rams, you see video of these kids. They're in middle school, and they're part of their school's band. And they are playing somehow their instruments, at least the ones uh, that, that, you know, the ones that didn't have to use their mouth. And they all have masks on. And you're like, wait a minute. The band is outside. They're kids. So they're at extremely low risk. And they're wearing masks. And then you see what was going on inside with 75,000 people, almost no one in masks whatsoever, including Gavin Newsom, who's taking pictures next to Magic Johnson and Leonardo DiCaprio. And so, again, the rules for D but not for Ds was in full display. So, so Newsom, yeah, he, all right, the French Laundry was a mistake, and I owned up to it. He owned up, owned up to it only to be broke his own rule again. The best part about this is Gil Garcetti is next to him, okay? Now, uh, that's the Los Angeles mayor. Eric Garcetti, excuse me, Eric Garcetti. There is a Gil. That's his dad. Eric Garcetti is also with Newsom. And he takes his mask off to take a picture with Magic Johnson. And then a reporter actually finally calls him out on this and says, hey, you know, the mask mandates are still in schools. Uh, they're still in businesses. Well, why did you think you were above the law and not wearing a mask? And Garcetti said, and I swear to you, this is what he said. He said, well, when I took my mask off, I held my breath, therefore not putting anybody at risk. And then I put the mask back on when the photo was complete. It is so insulting that to hear from these folks on this stuff. It is unbelievable. By the way, speaking of vaccines and COVID, congratulations, belated congratulations to Novak Djokovic winning his 23rd Grand Slam. 23rd. You make the argument just based on the numbers. You're looking at the greatest tennis player of all time. And, oh, by the way, he's got several years left in the tank. Obviously, he just won a major. And the French is hard because that's played on clay. It's a, it's a different kind of game. Trust me, as a tennis connoisseur, I know these things. But the point is, it's hard to believe. Just last year, just at the last U.S. Open, 
Novak Djokovic wasn't allowed in this country. This is 2022, two years clear of COVID, because he wasn't vaccinated. So, again, unpack this for me. Who's at risk if Novak Djokovic is not vaccinated? Let's say he was vaccinated. Can he still transmit the virus? Oh, yes, he can. We see that that happens, right? That you could get COVID if you had the vaccine and you could transmit COVID if you have the vaccine. In other words, it's more or less worthless. I mean, I think maybe it helped some people that have pre-existing conditions who are older. But if you're somebody like me, you know, middle age, basically, and healthy, natural immunity probably did the trick. I got it back in like February or March of 2020. I can't definitively say I got it because there was no testing at that point, but I was hit by something. I never call in sick, and it was one day where I actually had to because I felt like I got hit by a truck. And then after that, my family members, as in my wife and my, my two kids, they got it three times, and I, I, I wasn't getting it. And, and no one could figure out this why except uh, I probably had it, and that was protecting me from getting it again. Or if I had it, it was it was so minimal that I didn't feel anything anyway. The point is that Novak Djokovic got COVID twice. Therefore, it eliminates everything we're talking about here as far as whether he should have been allowed to play or not. And sure enough, he will be allowed finally to play in the U.S. Open this year. But I look back on that whole time, and we should be so much more pissed off about everything, the way we handled it, the way we went about it, the way we ignored the data in the science for political purposes, and, and mad at China, obviously, for unleashing this hell and that's what 2020 was. You think back in 2020, was there a more miserable year in your life? I mean, take away like something bad and personal happening, but just overall, I mean, for me, going all those months without sports, you know what that was like? I was watching the, the South Korean baseball on ESPN that they were showing because I guess they were ahead of COVID, so, so to speak. And then maybe running the DraftKings once, once or twice and be like, you know what? That Nippon team looks pretty good. You got to love the over here. Oh, that was just a sad, sad time. And even when then sports came back, to watch baseball games with no one in the stands. You know, you could hear a pin drop just the way it looked. Or, or the fake bodies. Remember those? The cutouts? That was just so depressing. But, hey, we're, we're past that now, and I'm going to appreciate 2023, 2024, as this country continues to go more and more insane. Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. Back with more on Fox Across America in just a moment. The show that sees through the bullet. My response is right, you know, and the stripper really likes you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, boy. I believe this is Hall and Oates. Yes, it is. Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon at his Fox Across America as we continue to celebrate the 80s on here, apparently, which has been a theme throughout this broadcast, and I am not complaining in any way, shape, or form. So let's continue with the Newsom Hannity interview uh, that, that we referenced a, a bit back because there are just so many compelling sound bites in this. And overall, look, Gavin Newsom's running for president. Now, whether that happens in this election cycle, which it would be the right thing to do, because we all know that Joe Biden has no business being in the Oval Office now, given his faculties, right? I'm not making old jokes. I'm not making fat jokes. I, 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 or not fat jokes. What am I trying to say here? Old jokes or any, anything in terms of a cheap shot, right? I'm going on polling where two-thirds of the American people believe that this president does not have the physical or mental fitness to be president of the United States. You want to be a golf starter? You want to go work at the Quickie Mart? That's fine. Go ahead. My, my dad's still a consultant. He's two weeks older than Joe Biden. 
and he still does some accounting and consultant work, and he does his three-mile jog around Packnack Lake in Wayne, New Jersey every day, and he even goes out to dinner with his friends uh, three nights a week, right? That's a nice life. And if Joe Biden wants that, have at it. President of the United States, absolutely not. But Newsom, he sees an opportunity. He sees himself as the next face of the Democratic Party. He may very well be that face because when you consider that plan B is Kamala Harris, and Kamala Harris couldn't even get to 2020, couldn't even get to Iowa. She had to drop out in 2019 because Democratic voters were appalled by her. She has a communications problem. She has an authenticity problem. She has a cackling problem. And quite frankly, when she is given any task, she fails at it miserably, a la the U.S. southern border. Finding the root causes hasn't gotten to that yet. So Newsom is trying to position himself as, look at the great job I'm doing in California. Boy, it's better than that, that, that I almost said it, whole Florida, right, where Florida has no income tax and California has 13% income tax and California has the highest homeless rate in the country and the highest poverty rate in the country. And people are leaving that state in droves when that used to be the number one state people wanted to go to. And I always love this argument from, from Trump where he says, Oh, Florida's always been great. People like to go there for uh, the, the coastline and the weather. Well, last check, California has a nice coastline and nice weather too. And people are leaving there and they're all going to Florida, Texas, and Tennessee. Let's hear from Gavin Newsom here. Cut number 27 here, defending his record. Go. This state has not made progress in the last two decades as it relates to homelessness. Why? Because housing costs are too high. Our regulatory thickets are too problematic. Localism has been too impactful, meaning people locally are pushing back against new housing starts and construction. I've been here four years. I can't make up for the fact in 2005 we had an historic number of homeless under Republican administration. Right now there's 171,000 escalated. Okay. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Boy, if only someone can do something about it. Somebody get the governor on the phone. Wait, it's like he's talking about someone else running the state when he's been running it. It's not like, well, he just got there five minutes ago and it's going to take some time. As he said, he's been there for four years. And what does he do? He brings back 2005. How many homeless were there? Uh, Dude, that was 20 years ago. Here and now. California, we miss you, baby. Back with more in just a moment. It is Joe Concha filling in for Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Welcome back, everybody. It is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America. Tommy Laren has been across America. She's, she's always on the road. She's a UNLV girl, running rebel, now lives in Tennessee because she's smart. <laughs> moving to a state a lot of people are moving to. People talk about Florida all the time, but Tennessee is right up there with Texas as far as being the most coveted state to move to the volunteer state. Tommy, uh, will your future kids uh, be volunteers, go to Tennessee, or is it 18, you're out the door and go somewhere across the country <laughs> like UCLA? Well, see, my husband is a vol, um, and he's oh. obsessed with the vols. So I'm assuming that if that were to happen, I'm assuming it would probably be a Tennessee family. Um, and I actually like the balls as well, except for when my, us- my husband is an earshot, because then I just relentlessly mock that school. All in good fun, <laughs> but it gives me a special joy. So whoever they're playing, you know, I just naturally root against them. And it's a fun little game we play. Oh, that's great. Have you been uh, to a live game there? I sure have. And I got to tell you, so I'm 
30 years old, about to be 31. So I'm not that long since I've been in college, right? Yeah. But I got to tell you, I went to one of those games, one of those Tennessee football games, and I looked around me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, people dress very differently. Uh, girls dress very differently to go to college football games now than they did when I was in school in, you know, 2010 through 2014. So it's always very interesting. But, you know, the SEC, they, they take their games very seriously. It is a big event. It is, you know, probably more akin to prom than a baseball game wow. uh, at least here in the south so you're talking like they, they go to the nines right like as far as i remember a lot of sundresses at the university of maryland that it was a kind of like a casual kind of dress that you're saying that they go even further in the sec as far as like this is like the prom as you say uh, it's the prom, but, you know, fewer clothes. So I would oh. say it's very dolled up, but also very scantily clad. So, you know, the young people these days, and I say this as somebody who still considers myself to be a young person, but oh. I'll tell you, you go to a game in the South, like, it's no joke. Wow. Um, they are out there to impress, but they are out there to just stay nice and cool uh, with not a lot of layers on, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I'm Googling Tennessee volunteer women game fashion, and oh, my. Oh, you weren't kidding. Oh. Okay, well, um, I'll be visiting uh, sometime soon, you and JP, all right, and we will uh, we'll go to a game. This could be fun. Uh, oh, my wife's not going to be able to make it, unfortunately. What a shame. you got to work? Oh, okay, honey. Yeah, she just said I could go on my own. This this will be fun. I'm kidding. What am I, a sick old man going to college football games to <laughs> look at young women? I mean, are you amazed, though? I remember I went back to a game. I think I was around your age, like 30, 31, and we did, like, the tailgate with the students type of thing because I still had the maturity level. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't feel all that old. I'll just go to the student section. As far as the tailgating, I can't believe how young these kids look. You know what I mean? Like they're seniors in college. They might as well look like they're in junior high. Yeah, you know, it's amazing when you go back to these college campuses, how different things have become. And then now, you know, things can get downright militant, not so much in the South. But when I go to a college campus, um, the SWAT team has to be called. So it's kind of a different environment for me. <laughs> um, but it's Such always a, nice a good person. time. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, but you're such a – I know you a little bit, and, and, you know, you're such a nice person. What, why are people – why would you be threatened by Tommy Laren? I mean, it's like, yes, you have strong opinions, but, I, I mean, you must think it's surreal sometimes that if you go to do a speech somewhere that you need all this security. Like, I, I did a speech recently, and there's, like, two big guys next to me. I'm like, no one's coming after me, but I, I guess that's the world we live in now, Tommy. Um, well, I would tell you this. You might not think – you might not think that that was a possibility for you. You have to need, you know, security and a SWAT team and extra guards around you. But I'll tell you from experience, you most certainly do. If you have a conservative opinion and people know it on a college campus these days. Yeah. And in fact, I actually went to speak at the University of Tennessee. It was about a year ago. And there was a, the SWAT team didn't need to be called. But I'll tell you, Joe, a very interesting uh, circumstance happened to me. There was actually a, a young lad who kept going in and out of my speech and discovered after the fact that he would go in and out eating uh, refried beans and watermelon in an attempt to be able to come in and throw up on me. So that's a new tactic, a new creative tactic I haven't heard before. But, you know, I got to give it to the balls. They're very creative with their tactics. Throw up? I've never... <laughs> Enjoy your lunch, everybody. Hey, I broke the number one rule of radio, by the way. Uh, Tommy Laren is the host of Tommy Laren is Laren. He meant to say is fearless, and that's on Outkick, of course, and it's very successful. Outkick is just keeps expanding. It's it, it's a monster. Tommy, uh, what did you think of the uh, Pride event at the White House, where we got to now look at topless men? I guess men that became women. I mean, the White House must be so proud, aren't they? 
What's odd, and I actually have to say that, you know, our OutKick founder, Clay Travis, pointed this out before I did, but it's odd to me that the White House came out and apologized for this topless trans woman, whatever, uh, out there flashing her, her synthetic boobs to the world. They apologize for that, but they still stand by and maintain that minors should be able to mutilate themselves and remove their breasts or add breasts. So that's interesting to me. You're going to apologize for that. But as far as people getting surgeries to, you know, affirm the gender that they want to be that week, they have no problem with that. And in fact, you know, they call that child care. So a very interesting, the priorities over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue these days. And that extends across the country as well. Tommy Laren to Gavin Newsom in California, obviously supports all of this nonsense as well. And, you were on, I think, because I we, we do Fox and Friends first uh, sometimes back to back. And I, I think I saw your hit where you were talking about um, Newsom possibly running not in 2028, but 2024. You think he'd actually jump in because Democrats stick together so well. You think he'd actually jump in and, and steal the nomination away from Joe Biden? Because if Robert F. Kennedy is, is at 20 percent and Marion Williamson is at 10, what would Newsom be at? I wonder, like an actual elected official, big state, nice hair, good smile. California is a, a complete mess. And obviously that's why so many people are leaving it more than any other state in the country. But, you know, maybe in our with our stupid media, they don't care about that. And they'll just focus on the fact that, wow, Gavin looks really good on TV. You think he runs based on the fact that he's going on what looks like a media tour? He sat down with our Sean Hannity just a couple of nights ago, and he's he's on TV, it seems, every day. Why be so active if you don't have a bigger plan at the end of the tour, I wonder, Tommy? Yeah, uh, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to run in 2024, wow. but it's not going to be against Joe for the nomination. It's going to be he is selected. The DNC will select him. They will install huh. him as the candidate. They will get Joe out of the way. I think what we're going to see in the next few weeks here is this Biden pay-to-play scheme, the crime syndicate, starting to unravel. And I think that the media and the Democrat Party, they're going to allow it to unravel for the first time in many years. And I think then when it becomes unavoidable, then they will move Joe to the Side and it will make it look like it is his idea, and it very well may be. He might just want to save himself, right? They will move Joe out of the way. They will buy out Kamala in some way, shape, or form, and they will install Gavin Newsom as their nominee. There is no doubt in my mind that that is what's going to happen. Wow. Uh, guys in the control room, do we save tapes? I want to save the tape on this because you got me convinced. I mean, that's an excellent argument. And it is interesting that Gavin Newsom has been so – cordial towards the former president in Donald Trump saying that he was great during COVID. Now, if if you're keeping score at home, by the way, the way it's working is Donald Trump says that Andrew Cuomo did a better job on COVID, you know, the whole nursing home things and so on and then being closed forever uh, than Ron DeSantis did in Florida. And now you have Newsom praising Trump for the job that Trump did on COVID. The world is upside down, and it seems like Newsom is only going after, and, and, and you noted this on Twitter, almost only going after DeSantis but won't touch Trump. Is that because he wants to face Trump? And as a nominee, he sees Trump as more beatable because of all the legal baggage that keeps piling up? Oh, of course. I mean, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so I think that 
both Gavin Newsom and Donald Trump, they have kind of a, an unspoken bond in that, that they both want to take down Ron DeSantis. So they are helping one another to do that. So that's why you see Gavin Newsom not going after Trump. And every other prominent Democrat, by the way, their first thing they say is, you know, the mega Republicans, the Trump Republicans. But you don't hear that from Gavin Newsom. You only hear him talking about Ron DeSantis and to some extent Greg Abbott. But you really hear him talking about DeSantis first and foremost. And that's because he knows that Ron DeSantis is a big threat to him should he run, and he will. But Donald Trump, I don't think Gavin sees Trump as a threat. I don't think any Democrat, quite frankly, sees Donald Trump as a threat, at least when it comes to an election. If he were president, I, I think that they find him certainly threatening, but they don't think he'll ever get into that position again. So they're not threatened. They would even run Joe against Trump. But I think that if it looks like it's going to be Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom is much more afraid of that matchup. It's interesting because I just wrote and we're talking to Tommy Lahren. She is the host of Tommy Lahren, his Fearless Outkick podcast. Uh, Tommy, I, I just finished a column for The Messenger. It's going to go up tomorrow, and it talks about how this rematch between Biden and Trump can't be inevitable because you look at these two stats, and, and they really are incredible. Seventy percent of Americans don't want Joe Biden to run. So that's obviously not just Republicans. That obviously spills well into Democrats because even a majority of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run. But then you looked at uh, another side of it where 60 percent of Americans don't want Donald Trump to run. And then their approval ratings are both at 31 percent right now, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And people keep saying, well, it's inevitable. I mean, this is going to be the rematch. And I'm saying I look at those numbers and there is an appetite for somebody else to jump in. And not just a Gavin Newsom on the Democratic side, but a third party, because then they ran a poll saying, OK, head to head matchup. Who would you vote for? Thirty three percent went to Biden. Thirty three percent went to Trump. Twenty three percent went to a third party candidate to be named. And 10 percent said they simply did not know. So maybe a third party candidate jumps in. I keep hearing Joe Manchin, but Republicans don't trust Joe Manchin. Democrats don't trust Joe Manchin. And uh, he's about to get uh, his clock cleaned in West Virginia in that senatorial race against Jim Justice. He's probably not even going to run. So if you had to bet on it, I hate to put you on the spot, a third-party candidate that could jump in, any ideas pop in your head? I just don't think we're going to see it. I don't think there's a world where a third-party candidate jumps in unless Governor DeSantis becomes the GOP nominee, then Donald Trump would probably jump in as a third-party candidate, but then we'd be in the same position, right? Um, No, I think that the way that the the party system is set up, I don't think that there is a viable third-party candidate, but a third party could definitely mess it up for either Democrats or Republicans, more likely Republicans, because Democrats stick together. We know this. And like I discussed, the installing Gavin Newsom thing, it's not going to be a, oh, Gavin's going to take on Biden. It's going to be move aside Biden. Gavin is our guy now, and you're yesterday's trash. But I, I do think that the American people want something new. They are tired of the circus. They are tired of watching Joe fall over. They're sick of all the Trump drama and the fatigue that comes along with that. Not his fault, by the way. But the American people just want something new. And as much as I cannot stand Gavin Newsom, and he actually terrifies me to my very core, Mm. I do think that the American people deserve a Newsom versus DeSantis ticket. I really do. Because they're too young, and whether you like DeSantis or you like Gavin Newsom, they are formidable opponents. And I think that the American people are craving what should be somewhat of an even matchup. So I would like to see it for our country. And I would like to see DeSantis clean the floor with Gavin Newsom. That's the thing, right? If you get that matchup, then suddenly we're not talking about 
Donald Trump and will he go to jail and, and, and all the legal proceedings, right, which the media, that's what they want to talk about. And we're not talking about Joe Biden's age and, wow, if this is the way he's acting at 80, then can you imagine him at 86 in 2028 in the White House? In other words, like things have nothing to do with issues, right, things that impact mm-hmm. this country like inflation, wages, border, education, crime, uh, China, Taiwan. I could go down the list. And then if you have DeSantis versus Newsom, it's a, such a clear choice, and it's a, it's a, fun is probably the wrong word, but all you have to do is say, do you want America to look like Florida, or do you want it to look like California? And if that's the choice, and DeSantis is talking about his record, and, and Newsom somehow is talking about his record in a positive way, you're right. Ron DeSantis wins that. I won't say going away, because unfortunately we have a corrupt media that would prop up Newsom as much as possible and paint DeSantis as worse than Trump, but I think he would win rather comfortably in that situation. Unfortunately, a lot's going to have to happen for that to happen. Anyway, Tommy, uh, final word. Uh, any plans for, I guess, no, you, no kids yet, so no Father's Day for, uh, for the, 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 uh, the husband. Uh, but do you still celebrate it anyway as like a potential father? Therefore, he gets like the nice meal you take him somewhere. <laughs> Well, my husband will be in Buffalo uh, coaching the Syracuse Mets, and uh, my dad will be in South Dakota, and I will be in New York on the big weekend show. So, you know, we'll just celebrate everybody. You know, no better place to celebrate uh, Father's Day than, of course, on the big weekend show. So that's what I will be doing on Sunday. But, you know, to all the fathers out there, obviously a very happy Father's Day. This country has a fatherlessness crisis, so I don't think that it's ever been more important to celebrate Father's Day than maybe here in 2023. I like the way you worked a political uh, message into that uh, sentiment. So well done. And the big weekend, by the way, and I'll leave you with this. I I did it last weekend. It's now on at 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays and Sundays. And that extra two hours, I'll I'll, I'll text you or find you privately and just be like, uh, what do you think about doing it then as opposed to the 5 o'clock? And I like the 7, I got to say. It felt more – I think that shows better at night or at least evening than, than it would be in the afternoon when people got so much going on. So, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll feel it. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. Who are you on with? Did they tell you yet? I have no idea. It's like a box of chocolates. I don't know who I'm going to be with, but I can tell you we're going to have some fun, and it's at 7 o'clock, so uh, maybe we'll get away with more. Who knows? I'm looking forward to it. All right. Beautiful. Tommy Lahren, the host of Tommy Lahren is Fearless, UNLV Outkick. Thanks so much, Tommy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. You too. And I am Joe Concha filling in for Jimmy Fallon. We wrap this puppy up on Fox Across America in just a moment. You're listening to the best dad on the radio. Can't believe you forgot my birthday. You're with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Welcome back, everybody. This is Joe Concha as we have fit, wow, fast, three hours. I know radio hosts say that all the time, but this really did go quite fast. I don't know if you heard about this last night, but there was a reverse boycott that occurred at Oakland, Alameda, Coliseum, the way Howard Cosell used to say it. It used to be like a classic venue. Now it's like this place should have been closed a good 30 years ago. And that's the big problem, right? The A's have been competitive for many, many years. We've all seen Moneyball and Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill as far as doing so much with so little. I know they haven't won a World Series since, I want to say, 1989. They swept the Giants. That was the Earthquake Series. Uh, But they go to the playoffs uh, often uh, despite having one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Well, the owner a year or two ago decided to just basically get rid of any stars or stars they were developing, basically, and and gutted the team completely. And they – 
at one point in the season, they had something like 13 wins and 40 losses, worst record in baseball. They've been playing a lot better lately. Uh, but it looks like, based on the Nevada State Senate passing a bill yesterday uh, that would fund a new stadium to be built in Las Vegas, they're trying to bring the A's, the same way they bought the Raiders, out of the Coliseum and playing in the desert instead. I would imagine this will be a dome that's in Las Vegas, or at least a retractable one. But the point is that so fans uh, decided to, after all this year, they averaged something like the A's 13,000 a game maybe. Um, and now, last night, they got nearly 30,000 people <laughs> in the stands. So it was a reverse boycott. Instead of saying, all right, you're going to move the team, we're not going, they're trying to show – the A's owner that, look, we have been loyal fans. You go all the way back to the great A's teams of the 1970s, and, you know, this is an iconic franchise. Remember, Reggie Jackson played there uh, before he went to the Yankees. We're number nine. People forget that. You always see him in 44. But the point is, though, that the A's deserve a new stadium in Oakland. We don't need all these teams go leaving these places and going to places like, like Las Vegas. If Vegas wants an expansion team, fine. They just want a Stanley Cup. They, they have a, a, t- a city that clearly supports its teams. But, I mean, it's just a shame that the, uh, the Oakland, uh, city of Oakland would lose their football and baseball team to the same city and be left with nothing in essence. They're not going to go over and watch the 49ers. Like, what do you think? They're going to start uh, following the Giants? They hate those teams. Anyway, sports tangent had to be done. Uh, thank you to everybody uh, with the show today and our guests, obviously, and Tommy Laren and Carol Roth and Derek Hunter and Congressman Fitzgerald. It has been fun. I have a feeling we'll do it again. This is Joe Concha saying bye-bye from Jerk. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.